Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dog Backwards, where we look at life, faith, and theology from a different angle. Uh, today, we have New York Times best-selling author, I just I love saying that, uh, John Burke. <laughs> Uh, he wrote uh, his new books coming out soon. Imagine the God of heaven. You might know him from his previous book, uh, Imagine Heaven, where he talks about near death experiences and things like that. John, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me on the show, Caleb. So this new book is kind of tricky. Like it's interesting because it's like you lull people in with the near death experiences, but what they're getting is a theology book. Was that your intention? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because no. I was like, yeah. Yeah, really. Um, you know, what I was trying to do in Imagine Heaven, you know, I, I actually came to faith um, as an agnostic and I was an engineer and, and I, I got the first, my dad was dying of cancer. I read the first research on near-death experiences um, and that opened me up and I started to seek God and explore and came to faith and and then you know, ultimately left my career in engineering and became a, a pastor and a church planter like yourself. But for the last 35 years, I've studied thousands uh, of near-death experiences. And what my interest has always been, it's kind of a compulsion. <laughs> I think right. it's a compulsion from God because I wanted to see how, how do we make sense of these? Because I became convinced that there, there's evidence enough to say, this is something real and we should pay attention to it. And Christians typically were pushing it away. So I was trying to show in Imagine Heaven how if you look at a theology of heaven, uh, of the afterlife, hell too, and then you look at the commonalities of what these people say, it lines up perfectly. It's amazing. Um, not that everybody always says things that line up perfectly. I'm not saying that. I'm saying yeah. what overlaps in the commonalities. And in Imagine the God of Heaven, I'm writing about God. It's it's God's love story through throughout history um, from the beginning. You know, He created us for relationship. We rejected that relationship. Genesis chapter twelve, He makes a plan to bless all nations. Right, that's that's His plan. And then you see Jesus come and, and offer a way for anyone from any nation to turn their heart back to God, be forgiven, be right with him. And Jesus said, tell this message to all the nations. Then Revelation chapter seven, you have John who sees in heaven all these nations, every tribe, tongue, you know, every language represented there. And in, in Imagine the God of Heaven, I mean, it's amazing, Caleb, but God brought me stories from every continent and every religious background. And when they clinically die, and some for minutes, some for hours, and they're resuscitated, they are experiencing the same God. And I'm showing how this is the same God who's been revealing himself throughout history. Now, I, I'm a skeptic by nature. Like, I just, I believe very little of what I hear, even less of what I see. Yeah. And I had never given any thought to near-death experiences until uh, Lee Strobel had a book come out last year, um, uh, the, the, the Case, case for time. Heaven. And he was on the podcast. I think he'll be on the podcast next week. Um, and I, when I read, he had some stories about near-death experiences. Maybe it was just a chapter or so. But I was like, 
Okay, so maybe there's some legitimacy to this. And I don't know how I had never come across your, your original book on this subject. But as somebody who's skeptical and goes, mm -hmm. yeah, but these people, it's, they watch too many science fiction movies. Uh, it was the light yeah. from the operating room. What are some of the things that like really convince you that you go, okay, this, this has real teeth to it. Yeah. And I, I was the one that Lee interviewed in that chapter. In, yes, right. Uh, I, I thought so. I thought so. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so when I was still a skeptical engineer, here's some of the things, and I, I write in imagine the God of heaven uh, in this new book, chapter two, I put down the 10 points of evidence because, you know, they're always, they're always uh, theories of what this stuff is. CNN just just came out with a headline article, near-death experiences um, in the brain, even after death, study shows. That's not what their art article even said. It was just clickbait yeah. headline. Um, but what I'm, what I'm showing is that uh, these 10 points of evidence not only convinced me, but convinced many skeptical medical doctors as well. I mean, there have been 900 scholarly articles published on this in the Journal of the American Medical Association, The Lancet, Psychiatry. The medical community is, is understanding this is something real. And that's why I'm excited about the Christian community realizing this is something we've got to speak into. So one, one of the evidentiary points is that when people die, they claim to leave their body, but they still have a spiritual body, just like Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 15, right? Which, by the way, I believe that possibly Acts chapter 14, when Paul gets stoned to death and dragged out of the city, left for dead. Yes, yeah. And then later in 2 Corinthians 12, he says, 14 years ago, whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know, but I was taken up into the third heaven. I saw and heard things inexpressible. He might have had a near-death experience. That might have been that 14 years ago. Hmm. And so when people leave their bodies, just like Paul said, you know, our bodies buried a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body, buried in weakness, raised in power, dunamis. And they say they're in this spiritual body, but often above and watching their resuscitation. Now that's important because when they come back, when they're resuscitated, uh, they can many times describe what was happening in during their resuscitation uh, that they shouldn't have been able to see because their heart was not beating. They had no brain waves, And yet they're clearly, they somehow observe these things. Um, I give an, uh, one, one example in the chapter one of Imagine the God of Heaven was a, a woman in London who died giving birth and she, she leaves and she goes into the presence of this God of light who is love beyond anything who says, you got to go back. Your son's going to live and he needs you. As she's coming back, she notices, <laughs> so it sounds bizarre, I know. But when you hear after story after story and even studies done, she sees on the top side of the ceiling fan a red sticker and, and has writing on it. And she just noticed that. She comes back into her body and she's telling the nurses and doctors of this incredible experience and no one believed her. You know, same thing like, yeah, mm -hmm. psychotic. And she finally got one nurse to listen to her when she told the nurse what she had said and the nurse realized she couldn't have heard that. She shouldn't have heard that. And she said, I can prove it to you. Get a ladder, 
can go up and look at the sticker on the top side of that ceiling fan. And here it's a red sticker and here's what it says. And she did. And sure enough, it was there. Now, that would be just one like, okay, urban legend story, you know? Right. <laughs> Yet there are hundreds of them. And in fact, Dr. Janice Holden did a study on 93 patients who had cardiac arrest and, and um, claimed to have a near-death experience and make veridical observations. And what she found is 92% of their observations were completely accurate. Another 6%. You know, each one may make multiple observations were, were almost completely accurate. Only 2% were inaccurate. It was, it was one patient right. and that was inaccurate. So wow. observations, that was a big one for me. But, you know, just a few more of, of the 10 points. I won't go through all 10, but the second is um, common, consistent elements all over the globe. Mm -hmm. So you have people saying these common things that happen to them and, and there are different depths of this experience, but they don't all happen to all people the same. Each is a little bit unique. So for instance, about 30% have a life review in the presence of this God of light and love. About 48% experience this God of light and love consistently. Uh, about 57% see relatives who had already died and they, they meet them again on the other side. Now, my question is, if it's just a, bl a blip in the brain, like Dr. Michael Shermer uh, says, why wouldn't every human brain have the same experience? Why, why, would, why would some have some aspects and others have other aspects, but why would they overlap all over the globe? You know, in a court of law, if you have 10 eyewitnesses who say exactly the same thing, that's collusion. You shouldn't right. trust them. Mm -hmm. But if you have 10 eyewitnesses that say overlapping things, but each a little different from different perspectives, that's the strongest testimony. That's what we see with NDEs. Third one that's a huge one for me, blind people who've been blind from birth. And I have multiple blind people, their, their stories, their testimonies in Imagine the God of Heaven, they can see when they clinically die. And like, like Debbie, who's in, in the book, um, she leaves her body, she sees, and it takes them a while to adjust like this new thing called sight, or they don't even, you know, it's perception, basically yeah. visual perception. And she sees her mother come in, rush into the room and bend over her. And she's able to later say that she was wearing a robe and it was dark. And her mom said, yep, I was wearing a robe. It was black. And then wow. she again travels into the presence of this God of light and love who she never wants to leave his presence, but he says, you need to go back. You're going to have children. Well, she was told she could never have children, but she does end up having children. She also, on the other side, meets her grandmother who she had never met before. Her grandmother had died when she was a child, a little baby. And she's able to accurately describe what her grandmother looked like. And her mother checked it out, but she said, but that's what she looked like when she was like 30, mm -hmm. which is another commonality, uh, which I'm personally excited about the older I get. <laughs> I, was, I could, I do like 22, you know, 30 was good, but if I could go a little bit younger, that'd be okay. Yeah. Maybe a 29, 25. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, because we like to kind of on this podcast, ask questions that, 
maybe you haven't been asked before, because I know when you have a book coming out, you get kind of the same questions over and over again. So I was yeah. trying to think of what is a question that you might not have been asked before. Um, do you ever worry or have you ever heard uh, of people reading about this kind of stuff and then trying to recreate it in their own life um, so that they can go see heaven and then come back? Have, have you ever heard of any of that? Oh, you mean like, like, Suicide? People trying to stop. Well, people, um, there was a movie, I think it was, I can't remember what it was called, where people were intentionally stopping oh, their flat heart. Flatliners. 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 Yeah, that's the 1980s uh, yeah. movie where people would try to stop their heart. And I, I just, I, I feel like if we talk about this a lot, there's going to be some crazy person who's like, well, I want to see heaven stop my heart and then bring me back after so many minutes. Do you, have you ever heard of anybody actually doing what they did in Flatliners? Well, I have to say yes and no. Um, yeah. So no, not for the purpose of trying to go see heaven. Um, but yes, in the sense of there is a medical, I actually report um, her case in Imagine the God of Heaven because it's one of the most evidential cases, Pam Reynolds. And there is, she had a deep brain aneurysm. So it's like way down here. They have to cut her head open and basically go deep into her brain. So in order to do that, they have to shut the whole body down. Uh, they, they lower the body to 50 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, drain it of all blood. They put clickers, 100 decibel clickers in her ears and tape her eyes shut so that they can see that there's no brain waves. There's nothing yeah. she can't hear, she can't see, no brain waves. And an hour into that surgery, under the deepest anesthesia, Pam, uh, said she was above her body and could describe the saw they used to cut her open, which she said didn't look like a saw. It looked like my dad's electric or, or it looked like an electric toothbrush with a really big cord. That's exactly what it is, is Midas yeah. Rex brain saw and the socket set like her dad had that had all these bits in it. And then she goes again to this God of, of, of light and love. She's her grandmother is told she has to come back. And when she comes back, well, first she had also heard a doctor say, we can't find the artery. And, and the other doctor, the, the doctor who said that was a female, she said, the other doctor, the male up by her head said, try the other leg, which confused her because it was brain surgery. She was like, what, what's she doing at, down by my legs? Well, all that checked out. She, as she's coming back, they're playing Hotel California, and then they had to shock her twice. She's able to tell them about all these things during a two hour surgery under the most intense anesthesia with absolutely no brain waves. Now, one of the so things to that some you agree, talk, that's yeah. all, that yeah. is kind of like the flat line yeah. scenario. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, she didn't wish way, it on herself, but yeah, go ahead. Well, it, it's kind of, I mean, most people don't come back. It's like a last chance yeah. surgery because so many don't make it through that surgery. They don't come back. Now, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, you talk about, uh, you mentioned Hugh Ross in this chapter. Um, who I was like, man, he's been on the podcast too. Uh, yeah. I think we travel in the same you. circles, I, I guess. You. Yeah, dude, he's so smart, so fascinating. Yeah. Uh, we had him on to talk about aliens, and I need to have him on again because that was one of my favorites. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, it, talking about the the way time works 
that there was a two-dimensional timeline. How, how did you yeah. describe that for me? Yeah, so, so I talk about, and, and I'll, I think a lot of the mysteries about God, you know, we're, we're, we're talking in this book about all the attributes of God and the mysteries of God, like the Trinity, like, you know, trying to understand a little bit more. Um, but also, you know, God's uh, eternality. God's, God is infinite, but God's also eternal. Well, what does that mean? And some of the things that are confusing to us actually resolve if you realize that we live in one dimensional time. So our time goes in a line one way, one moment to the next. But in heaven, God's time has at least two and I think three dimensions. But I think, you know, he created time. So he exists outside of that. But he can work in time. And he's working within two and three dimensional time. And I even quote indie ears who experienced this, but yeah. many talk about how they'll say things like time stopped or there was no time or others will say, well, there was time, but there was all the time you ever needed. Yeah. Nothing was rushed. And we don't realize it, but on in this life, time is our enemy, right? If it's a good moment, it passes too fast. If it's a bad moment, it doesn't pass fast enough. Um, but two-dimensional time would mean that at each point on a timeline, there would be another timeline going perpendicular, if you can imagine that. Yeah. So at each moment, I would have all the perpendicular time in the world to enjoy that moment before moving to another point on the one dimensional timeline. I love thinking guy, about things like that. Yeah. And a, and a guy, uh, Greg Rickert described that to me, like experiencing yeah. that. Uh, of course, then God um, would, would be the alpha and the omega if he experienced three dimensions of time. So picture, um, you know, picture our one dimensional time on a globe going around the equator. And then at each point of our time, there's, there are longitudinal second dimensional timelines that go all the way up to then the North Pole, which is one singular point of time in three dimensions. And so if God's experiencing that, that one point of time of North Pole time, he's experiencing the beginning and the end and all points simultaneously. Yeah, when my kids always ask me, uh, I have three boys, 10, seven, and four. My oldest, he gets hung up on, um, like what was there, uh, before God, you know, how can God exist outside of time? And it's really hard for his brain. So we use like the example of a book. It's like, imagine time is this book. God can open it to the beginning, the middle or the end, anytime he wants, cause he's the one who created it. But I, mm-hmm. I had never thought of like, if we're moving forward in time and there, you're having a great day. You could pause moving forward and then go up in time to where you're going to spend, like, you're just hanging out in that moment. But yet, at, in a sense, time is still progressing. Uh, that's a fascinating thing to, to think about. And, and Hugh Ross does a little bit of the science on that, which is beyond my understanding. Yeah. Uh, but that I think that leads us also to, we have a very similar way, I think, of explaining the Trinity uh, in the Flatland. I always use, like, the Garfield comic strip. Oh. <laughs> and if I had, I have a pen and I said, if I was to put this pen into Garfield's world, all he would see is the tip. 
Or if right. I turn it around and I put this, he sees the circle. There would be this circle that entered into his universe because he's in flat. Uh, I'm in three dimension. Right. And then I could lay the pin down and he would see this big, long line across the sky. And I now try imagine telling Garfield that that point, the circle and the line are all the same thing. Right. It would be so hard for his mind to grasp. And, and you do the same thing kind of with fingers uh, right. that it's one hand, but as they enter in. Uh, yeah, so I, and, I, and yeah. it's in the it's in the chapter on the triune God, the mystery of the triune God. And I have a, a Jewish girl who always prayed to God, who when her horse crushes her, Jesus is there with her. And and the only thing she'd heard about Jesus is every night her dad had a mantra: "Your life is worthless. There is no God. Jesus is the biggest hoax ever perpetrated on mankind." And yet she always prayed to God. He was, it was a pretty abusive home. And yeah, so she prayed like to God and took consolation in her faith in God and believed he was there with her, felt like he was there with her, comforting her every night when she went to bed. Well, then in her near-death experience, here's Jesus. She knows he's Jesus. And she said, I, I wasn't thinking like, what's a nice Jewish girl like me doing with Jesus? I'm not supposed to be with yeah. Jesus. She said, no, I knew him. This was the God I had always prayed to. And he shows her a life review, which is another commonality. And in her life review, she sees that he's the one sitting by her bed when she's praying as a, as a little girl. Mm -hmm. Then he takes her to the father and she describes being there with God, the father and how it was like, like, like being in the presence of your dad who's hugging you and you never, ever want to leave. She said, but, but he was also Jesus, but Jesus was also separate. And, and then she says, I, I can't tell you how God can be light and God can be love and God can be a man yet one. I can't, I can't explain it, but that's what I experienced. Yeah. And yeah, and I have multiple people saying things like that, like who, who should not have had they had no background or understanding yeah. of a triune God. And yet they're saying that's who they experienced. The other thing that's fascinating is how many of them say in heaven, how can three be one, which is our, mm -hmm. you know, that's a contradiction in our, you know, in our three finite, uh, you right. know, uh, dimensions of space. But in heaven, they say, it's not even a question. God yeah. is one yeah. as father, son, and spirit. Yeah. And I knew it, when I was talking to the father, I was also talking to Jesus. I was also talking to the Holy Spirit. You can't separate them. They're right. one. But they're also three. You know? So, yeah, when you add that other dimension, like if you go from flat land to our world, you add one dimension, things get complicated really quickly. And well, uh, like string theory says that there could be up to 13 dimensions in this world. You know, we know the Bible says yeah. there's at least a spiritual dimension. And so all you have to do is add one dimension. And it goes, yeah, my mind can quite easily grasp that. And yeah. I loved how you even do a little bit of the Trinity in the Old Testament. You talk about right. the angel of the Lord. We have an apologetic conference at our church uh, Saturday, and mm. I'm teaching on the, the, the Trinity in the Old Testament. The, and it was very the, – the two powers in heaven was a very common way to talk about God until – a hundred years after the resurrection, when it started to sound too much like Christianity and they basically did away with it. So yeah. I was really glad to hear that you bring that in. I, I want to get to maybe one or two more questions before we run out of time. Um, 
I'm curious to hear about maybe somebody who has almost no understanding of the Christian God at all. Maybe they're a, a Buddhist, maybe they're from some third world country. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they see a God of love and light or do they see a God of anger and wrath and uh, just c- no, kind of walk me thing. through some of that? Yeah, I have 70 near-death experience accounts in Imagine the God of Heaven, and they're from every imaginal background. And you can read for yourself what they're seeing, and you can see that they are experiencing the same God, and he's not always the God they anticipated. Um, and and that is true from Dr. Bell Chung, who's a PhD in Hong Kong. Um, I quote a girl uh, who is... Um, communist in China, uh, Bibi in Tehran, a Rwandan imam uh, who, who died and said into this room, rescue comes as a rescuer, Jesus, but he was full of light and he held out his hands and there were big holes in his hands. And that's how I knew who he was. And he said, I died for mankind. You are among those I died for. Never deny it and tell everyone. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yes, there, I mean, I don't, I don't see how people can read this and not just be in awe of the evidence God has given of his reality, but also I hope it breaks our boxes that we've put God in because we're finite. So we do. Yeah. Yeah. And what I appreciate is it's easy for people to get obsessed about just the near death experience stuff. But what you're really trying to do is, uh, you want to imagine the God of heaven and not just heaven. Like it's, it's, it's about God. It's about God. It's about, that's what makes heaven heaven. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, Caleb, that's exactly right. You know, the reason I wrote this, um, I actually quit writing after imagine heaven eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And, and the Lord pretty clearly said, no, I want you to write again. Um, and I want you to write about me. And it was really easy because of all the people I've interviewed, they so commonly said, you know, of all the beauty of, of heaven, it's beautiful. It's way more beautiful than earth, though not unlike earth. Of all the glorious reunions with family members, they would say nothing compared to just being with God. Nothing. Yeah. And yeah. that's why the subtitle is The Love You've Always Wanted, because that's commonly yeah. what they said, is that he really is, he really is who we long for. Right. I had some Mormon missionaries stop by the house the other day, and we were talking about their three levels of heaven. And I, they think that if I die, I go to heaven, but God's not there because he's only at the highest level where they can reach exaltation. I said, well, then I don't, that would be hell. I was like, any, yeah. any kind of afterlife without God is hell. Uh, this book comes out November 7th. John, thank you so much. Um, they can find it on Amazon. They can Google your name, find it on your personal bookstore, wherever books are sold. But I want to encourage you, go get it because you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get uh, the best of the near-death experience stories, but also really good theology. And it almost seems like part of it is kind of written for maybe some non-believers. So if you have some non-believer friends, this teaches them a lot about what we as Christians believe. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, good luck on the new book. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Caleb. Appreciate it. See ya. Take care.